You're listening to CFRC 101.9 FM here in Kingston, and welcome to Screening in Kingston. Hello, everybody, and welcome to uh, Screening in Kingston. We are actually uh, live today, which is a little different than uh, the way we normally do the show just to, uh, you know, put get it behind the curtain, as it were, a little bit. Um, normally, we are pre-recording um, our broadcasts, but we're live today because of the long weekend, and I am here with a special co-host, Wendy Hewitt. Wendy, welcome back. Hey, Mike. I'm happy to be here. Good. Um, are you uh, just, we're going to do a quick uh, tech check for everyone. Are you hearing me okay through your set? I can. Wonderful. Um, so, yeah, as I said, we're live today. Wendy is helping me out um, with uh, our broadcast because Taylor is uh, was away this weekend, and uh, she admitted she couldn't see all of the shows uh, and movies that she wanted to, to see, so uh, yielded the co-hosting spot to Wendy, who saw some movies uh, this weekend, and we saw one together and a couple uh, separately, so uh, we're going to talk about those today. Yeah. Um, and on, in addition to that, we also do have our normal uh, segment, Not a Great Plan, which we will be um, doing at the end of the show. And then we're going to start off with fan questions like we always start off. Um, we're going to try to go through this best we can. Again, we are live, so anything can happen. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> this, this may work perfectly. That some pretty hot takes. Yeah, I know. We've got uh, hot takes. We're live. Let's see what happens. Okay, so we're going to begin um, asking, uh, answering some questions that were asked for us. Um, again, just so everyone remembers, you can uh, be part of the show by submitting your um, questions to us either online through our email or through social media. Just search Screening in Kingston on social media or email us at Screening in Kingston at gmail.com so first we have chris friend of the show uh has written in every single episode in your segment not a great plan i'm constantly surprised when you actually find that it is a great plan doesn't that defeat the purpose and i love movies too not just musicals so two interesting points here so wendy um you know our segment not a great plan Mm -hmm. uh chris uh is pointing out that sometimes uh i or taylor actually find the hot take from the news a good plan um which uh this is interesting to me because we don't know who chris is this is a big mystery chris is a big fan of this show it was written in every single time we don't know who chris is it's an email that i don't recognize that it comes through so i'm not too sure who it is but now that they ask this question I think I know who this is. <laughs> and if you're listening out there, person who I know, I'm not going to name names, but you know who you are. You have to tell me if you are Chris, because that's only fair, because this person asked me this exact question last week, is how can you have a segment called Not a Great Plan and actually think the plans are good? Um, so <laughs> so he's having, is he having a hard time with the, the segment? <laughs> I, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like the segment is going over not quite the way we want it to with Chris. So, so two answers to this question. First of all, um, you know, I'm not saying these things are not a good plan. Tony Stark is, because that's the clip. It's Tony Stark who's saying that these different, um, usually it's news, movie news, different things going on in the movie industry. He's saying it's not a great plan. And then Taylor and I are commenting on it. So that's, that's number one. And also, it's like a bit. So we're doing it for 
for comedy. So. Well, what if you put a question mark at the end of that? Not, Not a great, great plan. plan. Question mark, yeah, which leaves true. room for the possibility. Of, oh wait, no, this is a this is an okay plan. That that would appease Chris um, and our other fans out there who seem to be confused by this. Yeah. So yeah, we could uh, we could do that. We could do not a great plan question mark <laughs> maybe we'll add that to the end of it but thank you again um chris for for sending in questions and i'm glad you like movies too that's a question taylor and i asked of chris because uh, chris was commenting on our comments on musicals so um i'm good you're a movie fan too T- tell us what your favorite movie is right in tell us about that chris we'll talk about it um okay so the next question uh comes from email as well this person wished to remain anonymous which is fine um i'm going through a breakup so first of all sorry to hear that um can you recommend any good breakup movies mm, so, this is a great question great question this Wendy, is a great question where to start yeah. um i mean my first thoughts I, I think about movies that i have seen you know right at the end of a relationship mm-hmm. right after a relationship ended mm-hmm. and um well, I mean, in general, I think, you know, I think just watching movies in general, I think is a good activity yeah. <laughs> post breakup. I've seen, I mean, it can go from, I, I remember watching Love Actually right after the end of a relationship, which is all about, you know, how wonderful love is. But, you know, love, you know, outside of, uh, you know, just simply you know, your typical, you know, <laughs> intimate monogamous relationship. And normally I would think this might have been kind of a nauseating film to watch when, uh, you know, you've experienced the end of a relationship. But I've, I, you know, it would, it, it had that kind of warm, cozy blanket mm-hmm. feeling mm-hmm. to it and made me feel opti- very optimistic about the future. Did you enjoy, like, overall, did you enjoy Love Actually? Did you think it was a... Because like, mm. you... I, I think it was all right. Okay, I think it's a really weird mu- movie. It is a really <laughs> weird movie. Strange, yeah. It was really a weird movie, but my defenses were down, and uh, mm. I wasn't bothered by the stuff that I might yeah. otherwise have, have taken issue Fair with. Enough. Just Fair as enough. in kind of a, you know, kind of sensitive, vulnerable <laughs> yeah, mood. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, um... Although, you know, the first movie that comes to mind when you think of breakup movies, I mean, movies actually about breakups and, you know, eternal sunshine on the spotless mind. Mm. Um, say if you you want to watch a movie and, and kind of commiserate and and see a movie that mirrors your pain back to you. If you want to feel that's a good choice. more pain, absolutely <laughs> go ahead and watch Internal Sunshine from the Spotless Well, that's another one that actually, jumping off that point, one that I thought of. Um, and this might be a little too on the nose, but forgetting Sarah Marshall is a movie that is also about a breakup. So it depends upon what you want to feel while you're going through this breakup. Cause mm-hmm. if, if you want, cause I, I mean, to me when going through a breakup, it's what's the worst thing about it is that you're feeling something and you've lost, you're losing control of your emotions and you're vulnerable and you're feeling that way. So for me, retaking control of my emotions is like a big step to to moving past it so forgetting sarah marshall is kind of like on purpose you're gonna feel this feeling because you're you're watching this movie and you're watching this breakup happen and it actually ends in kind of a hopeful way but not an unrealistic way which some Mm -hmm. movies can end like love actually is like an extremely unrealistic movie (laughs) anyone who thinks that that's the way romance and life and love is like that's not it love actually is not a thing i don't think that's remotely (laughs) fair um but i think forgetting sarah marshall ends in a way that gives kind of hope but is still very realistic so Mm -hmm. yeah i think along that same vein i think that that movie would kind of work for that realistic can be good the i would say the the third direction one could go in is to watch a film that has nothing to do with relationships it has nothing to do with intimacy um i i saw the uh, jacques tati's film playtime Mm. like right after the end of a relationship and i had the good fortune of seeing it in uh, in toronto at the tiff bell light box on the Mm. big screen so maybe that affected it but i was very moved by it and it's about 
you know, Jacques Tati is playing as, you know, Mr. Hulot character, just sort of bumbling through <laughs> Paris. And, um, you know, he's sort of, a, he's a man alone in the world, but, you know, he is, it, it, it's a film that's just sort of about being kind of in awe of, impressed by, you know, just simply the world around us. And it, it doesn't have anything to do with relationships mm. or intimacy. It's just about, it, it, enjoy, it's about, the movie makes you feel good about just enjoying being alive and it makes you just want to pay more attention to the world around you. And I think that can be a good thing. I think yeah, that can definitely. also be a good, good focus. Yeah. If you, breakup. if you feel you're the type of person who wants to escape. That then that's kind of good. Like if you want to really get sucked into a world and sort of escape. Like again, like it, it, I'm trying to think of another movie that might do that because I'm trying to think. Okay, what was the last movie I watched post breakup? But I think it was Rock of Ages, and I don't. <laughs> I did not like it. And actually, like I I tell this story to friends all the time. And we have a good laugh about it. Like I've never cried because of a movie never i have never been emotionally drawn in it that's just not how i view movies i think we talked about this on ben's show on what on earth is going on like i just completely know that it's not real and i enjoy it on a completely different level i cried during rock of ages when tom cruise came out because i was just so upset that he was in this movie because i normally like tom cruise but i'm like what are you doing like you're singing and it's terrible and it sucks and you know how i feel about movie musicals when it, like people can't sing so i it was the first time and only time i've ever cried in a movie but obviously other things were going on but i remember yelling at my television being like why are you in this but don't watch rock of ages it's not going to make you feel better. Um, but yeah, again, we're sorry that uh, you're going through something, but hopefully those movies are a couple to, to think about. And always like one of the good things about having Netflix is like you can go into the action adventure section and find like a movie that's completely detached from reality, which is mm -hmm. kind of cool. So I would just do that too if yeah. you really want to be, be separated from it. Um, Isabel asks, what are your go-to sick movies? So go-to movies when you're sick. So... When it comes to sick movies, it's not like I, you know, I'm someone who I, I'm not a big fan of like rewatching movies. Mm. I only really rewatch a film if I've, I've mostly forgotten what happened in it, and I'm going to be having a pretty fresh experience rewatching it, maybe a decade or two later. Um, I think when I'm sick, I like it's not that I necessarily like I want a movie that's not going to be testing my patience, mm. um, that's really slow or challenging. But at the same time, it needs to be a bit challenging. It needs to be enough to kind of hold your attention. I think something immersive is good. Um, and yeah, something that definitely does get, that really grips your attention so that you're not just, you know, your mind doesn't just wander back to your kind of discomfort or your ill state. Um, I actually, I, 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 the first time I watched the film Barry Lyndon, <laughs> probably not most people's go-to sick movie. No. I watched that when I was sick, you know, on a Sunday afternoon, not doing anything else. And the thing is, it's a very long film. It's a very immersive film. You're, you know, taken back to, you know, mm. 18th century, what was 18th century Europe? And, um, you know, you're just sort of takes place over the course of many years following the sort of this person's ups and downs in life. And it was very immersive. It was like a very immersive experience that very much took me away from my, mm. you know, sick line on the couch <laughs> reality. Wow. Yeah. Okay, well, if you don't want to be that immersive and you're worried about your state of mind while you're sick, um, a couple movies that I think are my go-to is um, I'm, I'm really all about putting something on that you can fall asleep during, wake up, and still know what's going on. Like, it, it, 
it doesn't like like we were talking about like it doesn't really make you think too much but you're you're part of that world and you're into it so i'm actually a big fan of putting on a couple trilogies and letting Mm -hmm. them just play through so uh all three indiana jones movies uh back to the future the original um star wars trilogy like those three go to for me for sick because i can fall asleep during one wake up during another and it's like you're not missing anything like you know what's going on you have a general sense um and i'm a big fan of rewatching movies when it's you know certain types of movies Mm -hmm. and and those ones for sure i can watch over and over again and then for me like i'm a huge star trek fan so i don't know what it is i'm a huge star trek fan but if i put star trek on it's i can just fall asleep instantly no matter what Hmm. is going on no matter how bad i feel no matter how distracted i am i can put on an episode of star trek or a star trek movie and i will be asleep within minutes i don't know if it's a comfort thing or what it is but that is kind of my go-to if I'm not feeling well. I'll put a Star Trek episode on or I'll put one of the movies on because I just, again, it's something that I'm a huge fan of and maybe just because I watched it since I was little, um, it just is a comfort. So, yeah, mm-hmm. for me, it's I put on an episode of Star yeah, Trek. and It's a whole, yeah. I guess you're kind of taken into the whole whole world. Mm-hmm. Whole oh, absolutely. World. Um, so next we actually just have kind of a, it's not really a question, more of a comment from Robert on uh, Twitter who's uh, kind of chimed into the conversation we were having last week about um, Cronenberg turning down uh, Return of the Jedi. So he <laughs> said that David Lynch also turned down Return of the Jedi and then he wouldn't expect them to try to get uh, him or Cronenberg. Um, yeah, David Lynch is an interesting choice for Star Wars movie. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know what that would be. Like that's, that's very that's very weird. Yeah. And that, that would have been pre-Dune. Yes. All right. So I think so cuz return yeah, I think it was pre-Dune. And it would have been pre-Dune. So I guess, he, you know, I guess he would have had a racer head and he yeah. would have kind of made his name. Wow, here's a talented director with some creative ideas. Yeah. But I guess it was early in his career. So I guess maybe there was a question of whether he could just be, you know, a non-hack director, you know, hired as a hired gun directing Hollywood films. And uh, I guess only became clear maybe a little bit later in the 80s that he was, yeah. you know, he was going to be doing his own thing, not anyone else's thing. And that's what um, I find, like, I don't find it strange I guess that they would ask, because especially early in their careers, like David Lynch, if they thought he was, you know, an upcoming director. But why? I mean, I guess because of style. But why would you as a young director turn down an opportunity like that? Like even back then, like the Return of the Jedi was the third Star Wars movie you saw two extremely successful Star Wars movies, especially. Especially the second one. I mean, the Empire was, and that had, I mean, different director than George Lucas, and that one was like such in high regard. Like, why would you turn it down? Like, if I was a young director, I mean, like, this is the opportunity I've been waiting for. Like, that that takes some guts and well, confidence, I think, in your own career that you can turn <laughs> something like that down. It's really gold, golden handcuffs, I think. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I, you know, the idea of being asked to direct, you know, the third film in a hugely lucrative money-making trilogy like that. I don't know. That sounds that sounds like a, a potentially not fun job yeah. at all. It could be, and yeah. you either, you know, you, you do a good job, a competent job, the movie's good, and, you know, maybe you establish yourself as being, like, an incredibly reliable filmmaker. Mm-hmm. No, but you don't really do anything to distinguish, like, present, oh, here, here are my kind of good ideas, or here's, here's the world that I'm capable of building. I, I think it... Uh, 
yeah, not everything that seems, I think, like a great opportunity is a great opportunity, depending on what kind of path they want to go down. So <laughs> I'd say, say David Lynch true. dodged a bullet with that yeah. one. Yeah. Probably the Star Wars franchise also dodged a bullet yeah. with that one, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, and I think you bring up a good point. I think that the risk of it going wrong is always the thing you have, especially like I think there's more examples of it now than there were back then. But, you know, you see new young directors try. Well, even like we just saw with the last Star Wars movie. I mean, it, that was not exactly well regarded by everybody. So I think that you're seeing examples of, of young directors being given opportunities. And sometimes it goes very well and sometimes it doesn't. So, yeah. Um, so the last question comes from Melanie over Twitter, who says, with all the talk around Mamma Mia 2, what movie musicals do you think could use a remake, sequel, or a new version? Um, well, this is interesting. I mean, could use, I don't know. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like don't, don't remake anything unless, and this is going to come up later, don't remake anything unless you have something to say or new to add to it. Otherwise, why can't you just make your own thing? Like, I would much rather see an original musical than than a remade movie musical. Um, a sequel, again, I don't know why you would do a musical sequel. Again, I just, it doesn't really resonate for me for a new version <laughs> or update. Are, are there any I'm that to pop up? think of musical, any musical sequels that have, like, really worked. Although, I actually liked Mamma Mia, too. And okay. uh, <laughs> <You're>, uh... <laughs> I enjoyed it. It was very You and silly. Taylor agree uh, on that, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it, it transcends any qual questions of where it's necessary or unnecessary or makes sense or doesn't make sense. So I'd say, why not just do Mamma Mia 3? Yeah. <laughs> and give us another version of a dancing queen. And <laughs> I, I, know a, I, I know a guy named Ben who would hate that idea. Um, yeah, I mean, like, people say Grease 2 is good but i've i've never really? watched it yeah I, that's what that's what i've heard from people it's like grease too is like pretty good um but like i wouldn't want them to do a hairspray too or anything like that because i feel like the story was the story and it kind of completed itself like there are a couple broadway musicals that haven't been made into movies that might be interesting to see but i just there are more examples for me of that going poorly than that going well so i'm more i'd much rather see like the greatest showman and that type of thing where it's like it's original it's original music like at least they're trying something new like i'd much rather see that than a remake of something but mm -hmm. well one thought that one thing that might be interesting is if you go back to like the 30s and 40s mm. and some of the kind of black and white you know backstage musicals yeah. you know with choreography from you know busby berkeley yeah where it's you know it, it'd be interesting to sort of take a film that's very much set like in the 30s or 40s you know something like 42nd straight sure. and then kind of remaking it now and maybe it's still I mean, I don't know what it'd be like to try to set it in contemporary times, but yeah. it would be interesting with current film, you know, current, you know, special effects and movie production techniques yeah. and with color, what it would be like to do that kind of kaleidoscopic, you know, ridiculous sort of stage musical where, you know, the stage itself is like, the, you know, far bigger than any actual theatrical stage. And you're supposed to believe that these are performers performing for mm -hmm. an audience. It would be neat to... Those movies are so strange and kind of surreal to watch now. It'd be neat to see it updated um, and interpreted now in a kind of straight-faced way. Did you see fun. the newest Annie that had Jamie Foxx in it? I didn't. Okay, it, so it's not good. Um, and <laughs> and the reason, one of the reasons why I didn't think it was that good is they didn't go all the way with exactly what you were saying. Like mm -hmm. they didn't 
upgraded all the way and they didn't like do enough new th- like they tried they're like it's Annie but a little bit different I think if they're, you're going to do exactly what you're saying you have to go all the way with it like you mm-hmm. have to be like okay fine 42nd street we're setting it now and this is how we're setting it now or we're setting it in a particular time era or something that's different and this is why, how we're doing it it would be the same as like a, a musical like Hair is about something specific at a specific time if mm-hmm. you were to try to do it and set it now, it would make almost no sense. So I think you would have to do something drastic to it. And with Annie, they kept all the songs and all these references that were clearly from, I think, like the 50s. I'm pretty sure (laughs) that's when the musical is set. And they made it, uh, you know, they made it, quote unquote, modern. But it was it wasn't it was it was set now-ish. It was set in the 2000s, but it just it didn't work. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I think if you're going to do it, you got to go all the way with it. What about a sequel to Jesus Christ Superstar? What would that look like? <laughs> I, I I pitched to a friend a really interesting idea for a sequel to like a Jesus story where um, it, it's actually the first uh, first time that like Jesus like rises again. It's called it, like my idea was that it would be called Risen, but it's actually like the first time a zombie actually appears and it's like a Jesus zombie. I don't think it would go over very well and I don't think it would make a lot of money, but I think that'd be kind of a cool idea. Like if they did that, let's do like an Evil Dead the musical, but it's Jesus <laughs> rising. This is this is how you know that we're recording this episode live. Yeah, this is this is things just we're off not, the top of my head. I'm just, we're not really editing it. This. We're going Well, have you seen you've seen <laughs> Hamlet 2, I would imagine. Like, Hamlet 2, which came Oh, out. Yeah. yeah. No, I haven't seen it, but I remember okay. when it came out, Steve... Is that Steve Coogan? Yes, yeah. yeah, he's in it. And Hamlet 2 is basically about him writing a musical about uh, Jesus going in time to stop Hamlet from having Ophelia <laughs> kill herself and, like, saving the Hamlet story, and it's kind of about, like, a, a Jesus-Hamlet team-up. Something like that would be kind of fun. Neat. Like, that's very fun. interesting, yeah. Okay, moving <laughs> moving on. Uh, we're live. Um, moving on to talk about our movie reviews today. We're actually going to go to that. Um, we do have some uh, news. It was New York Comic Con this weekend. We might get to that today, but we actually have uh, several different mu- movies to review, so I thought we we would get to that first okay. and see what we have time for. So we're actually going to be talking about four movies, mm-hmm. three of which we've advertised and one is a surprise. So um, <laughs> we're going to review A Star is Born. We're going to review Fahrenheit 11.9, uh, which is the new Michael Moore movie. Um, and then we're also going to be uh, reviewing Christopher Robin. Uh, Christopher Robin and Fahrenheit 11.9 are playing right now at the screening room. Um, it was Wendy's idea to see a movie that was not playing at the screening room, <laughs> our first non-screening room movie. So you know it's okay because if the man manager of the screening room says it then then that's okay with us and that's um, a star is born as a star is born that's and that's going to be uh that's going to be an interesting one to talk about uh because i have a threat waiting for me on twitter uh, <laughs> not a serious one but uh but a, a uh the, the entire real out arts project who who run the uh real out film festival uh has threatened to punch me through the computer screen um if if i don't say good things about that movie so Uh-oh. because i'm my life's in danger maybe we'll leave that one for a little bit um and then we also have another one that um that you went and saw um that's a little surprise so we're going to hear a little uh, clip from that movie and i think we're going to talk about that movie first sure. so i've never done this before <laughs> live so let's see uh if this works you will be this honest 
feet was thin you rolling down the street like a bird in the wind. What the hell are you? That's right, Venom, which was a movie that you saw this weekend. I didn't get a chance to see it yet, um, but I'm definitely going to check it out because I try to see um, all the superhero movies that I can. So, uh, Wendy, what did you think of Venom? <laughs> what did I think of Venom? So I was very, I was very curious to see this film for two reasons. I guess one of them is, you know. I don't know if something something happened to me earlier this year where I uh, just became in, invested in, in keeping up with all the superhero movies that would come out. I had been a casual superhero movie watcher. And then I just decided as like a personal project, I'm going to I'm going to stay on top of, of these movies and watch every mm -hmm. Marvel movie, and yeah. DC movie as, as they come out. So there is so in a way there wasn't really a choice. I was just like, OK, I'm going to see Venom. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the character design for Venom is pretty cool. Like yeah. all those teeth and the tongue and the permanent smile. I was like, I want to see that. And okay. Tom Hardy, of course, yeah, is, of course yeah. is wonderful. Now, of course, the reviews started coming out, you know, um, last week for the film Venom. And, you know, the, the consensus, the, the critical consensus is that it's um, not a good movie, that it's a... <laughs> boring movie okay, um, with a lot of uh, 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 well not a, boring, not a boring movie but that overall there, that it's a sort of it's, it's a serious slog of a film with a completely insane performance from Tom Hardy and a, a pretty insane characterization of the Venom character yeah. in the middle of it that really feels more like a you know mid 90s Jim Carrey <laughs> <laughs> performance right, this right. kind of screwy high concept comedy um, in the middle of this all too serious superhero film and um i think that this is a case where i feel I, I i agree with the critical consensus that's about right you know i was um uh i really enjoyed everything that tom hardy did in the film and all the silliness with the venom character you know biting people's heads off mm -hmm, and yeah. uh which is all from like that's from it, the comic book right i mean yeah. that's the venom character that's what he is like the clip i showed um, with one of the worst lines I think I've ever heard. Um, I don't know if that <laughs> made it into the movie or just the trailer, but um, that is basically what he does. I mean, he goes around and he rips people's heads off. He, it's a symbiont that's attached himself to a human that's kind of got an evil flair mm -hmm. to it. So in that sense, it's it's already a challenging concept to put into a movie, I think, because it is, when writing in a comic book, I feel like showing that pure evil is easier. Because this wasn't even rated R, I think. I think it was like rated PG-13. PG-13. Okay. So, so overall then, um, give us your okay. sense of 14A. like, 14A, Canada. is that what it was, Canada, 14A, <laughs> yeah. um, like, you know, <laughs> I get the same feeling that the critics have just from watching the trailers where it looks like it's a bit of a mess. Like, how would you describe the movie overall? Just, just as like a viewing experience Forgetting the comic book, like, is it a cohesive movie that makes sense or is it all CGI and wild craziness and it's hard to kind of pay attention to like how i don't want to say there's not enough cgi or mm. wild craziness it, i think it takes about 45 minutes until you actually hear the venom character oh, okay. speak and emerge as a personality um you know there's a number of very good actors in the film shell yeah. williams plays the, williams. the girlfriend yeah. and they're, you know they're definitely they're kind of wasted you're just waiting <laughs> you know i went into it with like you know expecting like oh, i think i'm going to enjoy this and I'm, mm. I'm i want to, i'm looking for the best in this film and after a while i'm just like ah, oh, when's, when's venom going to show up yeah okay and then uh when he does show up it's it's all very silly and then <laughs> and then he goes away and then you want to see more of him and yeah. uh and yeah as the movie kind of dragged on and on i was like why 
you know, it, it, it's just interesting. Sometimes I'm just impressed when you watch a film that just has so much um, money going into it and so much yeah. intention and so yeah. much talent, yeah. particularly when they cast like, you know, really talented actors. And obviously yeah. there's a lot of behind the scenes. People who are very talented. Ocean, the Ocean's 8 was like this for me. I was like, why didn't they spend a little bit more time with the screenplay? Oh, absolutely. Or why yeah. didn't they hire, you know, hire either sort of a director or people more in the sort of editing producing mm -hmm. role who have a stronger sense of what's interesting and what's boring yeah and um i feel like there yeah there wasn't somebody <laughs> somebody whose job it was to make sure that the potentially boring parts of this film weren't weren't boring so, i couldn't yeah. agree with you more yeah. what you just said about oceans eight i i felt the exact same way i felt like you have so much talent on screen you have a talented director you have all that like who why is not someone in the room putting their hand up and being like could we take another pass at this script yeah. like why did that person get fired like is that what happened because that's what i would be like hey can we like take another moment because like maybe these people deserve better than this yeah. like everybody does but yeah okay so give us your rating on it are, are you a see it stream it or skip it on venom I'm tempted. Well, you can be honest. I want to say, <laughs> I, I say skip it. I mean, okay. fundamentally, it's a skip it. I was interested and curious in the film about the film. I was ultimately kind of disappointed and had a little bit of a bad taste in my mm. mouth about it. That mm. Tom Hardy stuff was entertaining, but just not quite enough for me. Right. And um, but of course, if you're a fan of things, if you're a fan of yeah. you know superhero yeah, movies, you like you, well, you just you, you just need to see it. There yeah. isn't you don't have a yeah. choice. Yeah, and that, that's the important thing is like <laughs> even though this doesn't exist necessarily in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but because Disney now has this deal for the Spider-Man characters, it could. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Venom could appear and and take on Tom Holland Spider-Man or could could fight the Avengers so you kind of do have to see it like yeah. I'm going to go regardless of what the critics have been saying because I've read the same things but because I kind of have to I know which yeah. Yeah. <laughs> great so that was our first movie Venom and uh, we're going to move on now and I think we'll we'll talk a little bit about Christopher Robin next because I, I think A Star is Born and Fahrenheit 11.9 we might have a little bit more to say about them mm -hmm. so let's just quickly talk about Christopher Robin um, a movie we both saw um, I don't know if there's much to say about this movie. I think you know what you get going into it. Like, I don't think there's a huge amount of surprise in it. I, I really felt that it was just fine. Like, it was just a fine movie. I did, it didn't bother me one way or another. I don't think I would ever see it again. But I also was it wasn't a painful experience to, to sit through. Um, I was a little confused still, and I still am, as to what their take on the sort of magic of the world is like you know can everybody hear Winnie the Pooh and his friends it seemed like it, everyone could but then also they're running around the streets of London and not yeah. everyone's oh, reacting so, he's he's high. people can hear Pooh okay and there's a few people that are a little thrown off when they see yeah Pooh someone speaking. like yeah so someone yes. gets scared and walks into something or whatever and there's a few comedic moments around that but yeah I I just I don't know. I, that bothered me most out of it. It was like this person's running around with clearly stuffed animals and they're talking to him. And I guess that's just the reality of the world. But I, I don't know. To me, I kind of wanted a little bit more of a maybe an explanation or what was going on there. But it just seemed he could go into the 100 Acre Woods and back pretty seamlessly. Like everyone can just go there through any tree at any point in time. Like that, the, mm -hmm. to me, that's what it seemed like. Um, but otherwise, like I... I thought the movie was fine. I, I don't have much to say about it because it was just, I think if you've seen the trailers, I think you get exactly what you're promised out of it. I don't think there's a lot of twists and turns in this. I think it's pretty straightforward. What, yeah. what did you think about the movie? I thought, um, 
I will say I quite liked, um, you know, how they animated, you know, Winnie the Pooh and his friends as these sort of mm. fuzzy stuffed puppets brought to life. And, and Pooh was un, un, unbearably cute. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the movie, I it would have been interesting to watch with some kids, some mm. like small children right. and see yeah. what they'd think of it. Yeah. Um, It'd also be interesting to watch with a parent because mm-hmm. it's, it, you know, in terms of the premise of the film, you have Christopher Robin is all grown up. He's played by Ewan McGregor. He's um, kind of an unhappy, overworked you know, white collar <laughs> worker who is having to prioritize, you know, his his work obligations above all else. And he's kind of miserable. His wife and his daughter, you know, are, you know, miss him. It's and pretty depressing. Actually. It's depressing. Yes. <laughs> to see Christopher Robin <laughs> yeah. default to like sitting in an office with his strangely quirky um, <laughs> colleagues. Yes. You know, I, it's very sad at the beginning. <laughs> and um, and then, you know, Winnie the Pooh arrives to kind of you know, help him get in touch with his sort of inner child and that sort of sense, that sense of joy and uh, remind him, you know, they keep going on about what's, what's the most important thing in life or what's really important. Is it, you Mm. know, balloons and honey or is it, you know, getting your paperwork done and what's really important and movie really goes a bit overboard with that. But it, um, Swimming Pooh arrives to kind of yeah. <laughs> sort of say just intervention. But I it's both I feel like it would be as a parent, it would be kind of depressing to watch a movie about yeah. a parent who yeah. is not living their best life. And yeah. you know, the film feels that he's really failing his family. I mean, that's that's kind of depressing. Absolutely. And then as a kid, it, 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 if you're a kid watching this, you just it, it, I would feel a little frustrated that you're not getting a little bit more of Winnie the Pooh and you're not getting more of the, you know, Hundred Acre yeah. Woods. And, and Winnie the Pooh is very much the comedic relief of the movie like most of the comedy is within Winnie the Pooh or Piglet or Eeyore like those are kind of where most of the comedy sits and you really only get a taste of everybody like Tigger has a little moment Mm -hmm. you really don't get much from Rabbit like I kind of agree like as a kid I feel like you'd be wanting more of that so to me who is this movie geared at like it to me it was a that's what I, I guess my problem with the movie was is I found the tone was a little off and on and a little bit like like I mentioned about the colleagues that he works with they seemed like they were straight out of a cartoon like mm-hmm. the way they they were basically caricatures whereas he's pretty much acting like a like a person and he's doing the traditional acting style for camera that's what Ewan McGregor's doing but then his colleagues around are like bouncing off the walls like ooh what are we gonna do like it's just yeah. to me it was very strange yeah. in that way and I did kind of I did appreciate you know with this film going into it my reference point was that film Saving Mr. Banks that mm-hmm. Disney yeah. did a few years yeah. ago where it's you know it's Tom Hanks in it and it's a bit about the sort of backstory of the creation of Mary yeah. Poppins and the film it, it was a really neat movie because it was a Disney movie and had a bit of that Disney magic but it was a film that was actually more or less geared at adults. Yes, it was. Yeah. yeah. Um, it wasn't really quite a family film. And it, I think it just sort of, in terms of the story it told, it yeah. was interesting yeah. and non-banal and, and, and quite, I found, I, I remember finding it moving <laughs> and yeah. I thought, well, maybe this is with Christopher Robin. They're doing something where they really are actually are kind of doing something kind of really dramatically geared towards adults. Um, something a little bit, you know, grown up, but yeah, the stuff that was there for grown-ups was just a bit dreary and yeah. straightforward. Yeah. Um, but it was still a film for kids. And yeah. I'd, I don't know. I'd feel if I had taken a small child to see this film, I mean, well, hopefully they would have enjoyed it because kids yeah. maybe they can enjoy pretty much any film in the theater, maybe. But uh, I would have felt a little bit guilty that you yeah. know, I wasn't able to bring them to something a bit more. Okay. So let's give our yeah. ratings. Are we are we on see it, stream it, or skip it? I'm going to go first, and I'm, I'm going to say stream it. 
I think it's a good thing. If you're curious about this movie, I would say wait till it's available. Watch it from home. I just don't think you're getting enough out of it. I think it's tonally all over the place. So I wouldn't go see it in theaters. I would say just stream it. But I don't think it's so bad that, that I would say skip it. So I'm going to go with stream it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. I Yeah, I think if you're, inter- if you're interested... Mm-hmm. Um, in seeing uh, something actually really has you know really high quality yeah um quality you know production values and you are interested in poo i think it's worth seeing but i'm tempted to just say skip it okay hey, which is kind of ridiculous because it is uh it's now playing at the screening <laughs> you, you can give whatever rating you want if you want so are you going on skip it then is it skip okay it. we're gonna <laughs> let's just do it wendy says skip it i say stream it there you go that's christopher robin um yes now playing at the screening room uh <laughs> though, though i guess we're both saying don't go but there are other movies at the screening room that, that yeah. we can recommend seeing but we're going to talk about a Star is Born next, and we're going to get that one out of the way because oh I'm, I'm super curious to see how my take on it um, is felt by the entire Real Out Arts project because the, they are very interested in this. Um, so A Star is Born. Um, do, do you want me to start? Do you want to begin? Do you want to? Uh, you can start. Okay. I I enjoyed the movie overall, and I, and I didn't think I was going to because it's kind of not my type of movie in a lot of ways i'm i'm not a huge i've said it before on the show i'm not huge into music um and i'm not really into movies that are about it i've seen like a handful of movies that are about music but um i thought that for the most part bradley cooper did a pretty good job it was a first time director um I have this problem <laughs> that, that keeps happening and i feel like i'm the only one who feels this way so let me see how you feel about this way i think he still vocally just wasn't what you could have had if you had an actual world-class singer. Like, I really feel strongly that this movie proves a point that I have seen countless times where it's easier to teach a world-class singer how to act than a world-class actor how to sing. Because I thought Lady Gaga's acting performance was pretty good. Like, it didn't it didn't bother me, and I, I didn't have that feeling of, like, you should really just stick to singing. Like, I felt... Like, she played the character very well. She did a really good job with it. But for Bradley Cooper, I thought, like, this is a pretty decent performance. Like, I'm enjoying his performance. But every time he sang, I just thought, like, I don't... Like, you're technically hitting notes, but I don't think that's what singing is. There's more to it. And I just didn't... It didn't resonate for me. It's like, why don't you just get a world-class singer and get a good performance out of them as your first time directing? Like, that's that's where I was stuck on this movie, whereas I, I enjoyed everything that I was seeing. But every time Bradley Cooper sang, I was just like, can you just stop? Like, I don't know what it was huh. where I just I wasn't connecting with him vocally and I just didn't huh. hear what I wanted to. Interesting. Because yeah. I didn't I didn't have that problem. Okay. I you thought, believed like, you be- in Bradley okay. Cooper's okay. character 100 yeah. percent. Now, I don't listen. I guess when it comes to that kind of of um, I don't know if you call it roots country or what you would call it. I would say no. I, I would say it's roots. It's and funny, country. Like, I was it's country for sure. Watching the movie. That's not a type of music I usually seek out, but well, from watching yeah. the movie, I was like, I want to listen to more yeah, music yeah. like that. And his song, um, like that song, uh, Maybe It's Time, that Maybe yeah. It's Time to Let the Old Ways Die. I was like, what a great song. That could have been. <laughs> I immediately <laughs> believed that that song was yeah. a, a hit. So yeah. I, I, I 100% believed in his character. Oh, I but, believe. And like, I believed in his, and his music too, yeah. I also found pretty convincing as, as hit music. Yeah. Um, the, the, uh, I guess when my sort of sense of okay, am I am I buying this or am I mm-hmm. believe do I believe in this? Part uh, what I had problem with was 
well, I don't know. We're not supposed to do spoilers on this yeah, show. Yeah, no spoilers. So, so can spoil you explain it, it without spoiling? But yeah. I'll say, I'll just say, like in the second half of the film, yes, how they represent, um, I guess, sort of the the. Um, transformation yeah. I'll say that that yeah. Lady Gaga's character yeah. um Allie undergoes I did I did not find that convincing I I totally That's, agree with you yeah. I totally agree with you that that moment for me I started to lose something mm-hmm. out of that and again like I I had thought up until that point like I said like I really liked Lady Gaga and what she was doing and I don't think that has anything to do with the actor I think that again goes back to the writing and the way that the script was mm-hmm. put together yeah. and I mean I will also say um, have you seen the any of the other Stars Borns? Because this is like the fourth yes. movie of it. Okay. So I saw the uh, 1976 Barbra Streisand, okay, the Barbra Streisand. Okay. version. This is the other thing that I that I had a hard time coming with. I still felt like they Bradley Cooper as a first time director didn't really give me anything new. Like as as much as you were just saying like oh spoiler. I think if you've ever seen a movie that's about an artist or a musician, you have a pretty good sense of where this movie's going. Now, that was at least how I felt into it. I wasn't surprised by anything that happened. I didn't think it was well executed in the second half of the movie, but I wasn't surprised by anything that happened. And I feel like regardless if you've seen Star is Born or not, you're going to get the sense of like, haven't I seen this before? And the answer is yes, because it was just a relatively generic movie of about musicians in a relationship like i just feel like i've i've seen this type of movie before like did you how did you feel about where the movie without spoiling where it goes how did you feel about where it went like were you were you surprised by anything did anything jump out at you or did you also feel like okay i i knew where this was going it doesn't really shock me what what happens to them what can I say? Well, well, actually, I'll step back and say overall with the film, I really, really liked the the first half of the film. Mm-hmm. I'd say for the first half, first hour of the film, I was just, I was, I want to say I was on the edge of my seat, but I was kind of lying back in one of those recliner seats. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I was figuratively on the edge of my seat, just like, <gasps> there's sort of the sense of, of, of possibility and potential um, and excitement. And, you know, the characters, you know, are going through the sense of kind of excitement and this sort of infatuation and this encounter with, mm-hmm. you know, another person that's unlike anyone they've encountered before. Mm-hmm. And with the film, I mean, going into it with so much sort of hype, like with so much hype and expectation and, and a sense that they, this film really pulls off something special, I I felt that sense as well. And I was just there emotionally very much through the mm. first half of the film. And the thing that I thought was really impressive about it is just how it handled, you know, the moments of intimacy uh, between... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper's mm-hmm. characters, like when he touches her nose mm-hmm. <laughs> and and also to the first bedroom scene between them. Mm-hmm. There was just there was something that it, 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 I found in those sort of moments of intimacy and connection. Rather than being reminded of other films, I was reminded of sort of m- moments in life. Like mm-hmm. and for me, that's like the mark of a really great movie where yeah. it's reminding you not of movies. It's reminding you of stuff that you have felt or you have seen or experienced in, in your lived life. Mm-hmm. So I was the first half of the film just completely feeling exactly what the film wanted me to feel. Yeah. And then I got and then there was just, you know, a few things that kind of happened in the second half where I just got a little distracted. Like yeah. I just didn't I, I just wasn't believing in the sure. movie in quite sure. the same way. Yeah. Plus, the characters become a little bit more kind of disconnected. Yeah. And it's about yeah. that sort of sense of disconnection. And yeah. as a viewer, I felt a little disconnected and it didn't, you know, by the end of it, it didn't reach the kind of emotional high 
you know, or I didn't feel the kind of intense emotions yeah. towards the end of the film yeah. that I, I felt in the middle of the film. Yeah. Um, like, of course, the shallow, it's of the, that shallow <laughs> <laughs> numbers and just like, ah, was so great. Such a great movie moment. Um, but in terms of being distracted, um, you feeling a little distracted in the second half mm -hmm. and a little bit like, well, too, like, oh, I kind of know where this is going. Um, I was a bit distracted. You know, sometimes it, it, it's neat to see a, a previous version. Like, I watched the yeah. 1976 A Star is Born just a few weeks ago as, as preparation for watching this. Mm -hmm. And a lot of ways that it enhanced it, like, I mm -hmm. found the first half of the film felt like something exciting and new and different enough mm -hmm. that I didn't feel like I was watching a remake. It still felt alive and electric and, and new and very 2018, the first mm -hmm. half. But in the second half, there's actually, there's a number of ways that the, you know, second half of the story was dramatized in the Streisand version that I really, I don't know, I just preferred <laughs> well, to I this new version. And yeah. I was sort of making those comparisons and like, yeah. oh, some of the yeah. stuff with this manager. Yeah. There's just some stuff that they put in there where I was yeah. like, well, this says, uh, they didn't need to do this. This yeah. feels a little bit like a shortcut or a little bit cheap or yeah. it's not quite convincing. And they don't actually need to, I feel like they don't really need to play it this way. Well, and that's the thing, like, I, I kind of felt the same way, like, what you were describing in the first half of the film, like, until I heard you say it, actually, I, I didn't really think of it that way, because I, I did feel like I liked the beginning much better than near the end, and I, and I feel like that is, I think Bradley Cooper, as a director, showed his directing abilities off very well in the first half of the movie, mm -hmm. but then maybe for one reason or another, it seemed to default to the same type of ending and sequence. Mm -hmm. Like that was kind of what my point I was bringing is like, I just, even from the beginning, maybe that because I look ahead and I look at like, I was into those moments at the beginning, but I still was like, I know where this is going though. Like I'm why be emotionally attached to anything? Like I know exactly where this is going and it went exactly there. And I felt like it was just, I, I kind of thought I kind of was believing, Oh, maybe, maybe it's gonna, <laughs> maybe you're just more optimistic than I was. I, I was like, there's no way this is going a different way. <laughs> and that's what I felt. I felt like a first time director did not avoided a shot for shot remake, which is great, but, defaulted to a lot of a similar process as to where the story went and i felt like it's something i've seen before i'm gonna throw something out here and again we're live so i we have no way of editing this out if it goes poorly but i'm gonna <laughs> oh. throw something out Th this is how i felt about it and let me see if this resonates for you i don't know um i think this movie is this exact same way that w w when looking back at it that uh, i i think this is the taylor swift of movies where taylor <laughs> swift is a phenomenon you cannot deny that Taylor Swift has had, first of all, a major impact on music, a major impact on a generation, and has had just an impact in terms of the way she conducts herself through branding and the way she conducts herself through everything. But musically, I have never heard anyone say, Taylor Swift has redefined music by doing blank or doing whatever, like musically. I feel like this film felt the same way for me where I can't deny that there were a lot of great things within this film but I have a hard sense and hard way of saying that filmography wise and cinematography wise and directing wise that Bradley Cooper did anything with it that we're going to remember for that but I think we're going to remember the culture phenomenon I think this will be an Academy Award winning movie that's popular with people that speaks and is this movie's this generation gets its stars born and 20 years later we'll get a new one um directed by Tom Holland or someone else like it's I feel like that for this generation we've got a thing that works within it and that's kind of how 
I, I look at Taylor Swift music wise is I don't think musically she does anything that we talk about on a technical stance, but she's made a major impact on the industry in a different way. And I think this will launch Bradley Cooper's career. I think this can launch Lady Gaga into an acting career. If that's the route that Lady Gaga wants to go, hmm. it could go that way. And maybe that's what we remember this film for. That seems like, that sounds like a very high expectation. Like you're holding the film to a very high expectation. And I guess the problem is, though, people are going into this film with very high <laughs> yeah, expectations. Yeah, they are. They're saying it's it the best thing since sliced bread. Like, that's <laughs> what I'm reading. Like, <laughs> and But it's funny. The thing, it's interesting. It's really like the trailer. The trailer mm-hmm. that came out this mm-hmm. summer is what really set these crazy mm-hmm. expectations. Before the trailer came out, it's just like, oh, Bradley Cooper's remaking A Star is Born with Lady yeah. Gaga. That seems kind of weird, yeah, you know? Yeah. Nobody thought, oh, this is going to be huge. But the trailer, it's just impact was so huge. Yeah. And, you know, even just... Yeah, it was just that yeah. trailer just set yeah. such. I remember watching the trailer of the theater and being like, "Holy smokes, this movie looks mm-hmm. great!" And uh, and yeah, the first yeah for me the first half of the, the film delivers half, yeah. on that Absolutely. promise. Yeah, but I, I mean agree. that second half, but that is such a ridiculous sort of expectation to set. And it is the you know it's very much the Oscar front runner yeah. right now. Yeah. People who watch these things, it's the picture to beat, which is best picture <laughs> and best actor and maybe best director, which is a whole different conversation actors. because I don't but, think it deserves yeah. half of it, but it will get nominated, yeah. and that's kind of my point that I'm bringing yeah. up and, and kind of where I want to where yeah. I want to bring like my thoughts on the whole movie is that that's my comparison to Taylor Swift is I think it will be an award-winning thing I think it do, will have an impact I think it will launch people's career I just think film-wise I'm actually holding it to a very low bar because <laughs> I think the actual movie itself is just fine like there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of great things and I agree with you I think the first act was great the second and third acts of the film because usually in films you're dividing things into different acts i just think it starts to fall apart especially near the end i think i think it does get a little lazy i think i just think there was so much more you could have done with it and that's kind of where i i sit with it but we have to give a rating to it so see it stream it uh skip it what do you think see it okay i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with stream it (laughs) there's no i don't think there's anything you gain from seeing what I don't, think anything, the yeah, I don't think there's anything you gain. What? Yeah, I don't think there's anything you gain. I think you can just what? sit at home and watch it and it'll be fine. But again, I mean, I don't know. That's speaking from someone who doesn't get emotionally charged by people around him. So it, it doesn't yeah. matter what other people are thinking or feeling. Like, I'm going to be in it because of the movie or not. Yeah. So. And it is it is a movie that's all about getting emotionally yeah. charged yeah. by the feelings of others. Yes. And I think you've seen it in the cinema. It, just, it, it completely immerses you kind of in their world and you, you're seeing what they're seeing. So many great close-ups in yeah. the film, too. I mean, yeah, very, the, the, yeah, the, yeah. Like the camera really kind of stays close to our two main characters there's not a lot of establishing shots it's like you were there you know even with sometimes with some pretty minimal dialogue you're yeah. able to just sort of know what they're thinking yeah. and, and feeling it's incredibly effective that way and i think um that lends itself to a good uh, cinema experience, not just for like the big screen and the big sound, but actually just that sense of immersion of, of being, you know, in, in, in sharing this space, this emotional space with those characters. Did we really need four of these? I mean, I know I'm looking at the time and I know we run running out of time, but I feel like this is an important discussion. Did we really need four of this movie? Well, it's been like 40, really? 40 years since the last one. So, I mean, and there's a long, there's a long <laughs> tradition of kind of remaking things. And I felt this movie, I mean, but you know, I've only seen, you know, 76 for, Version. But I mean, m- most movies kind of follow 
a similar story to previous movies. Oh, no, of course. Even movies that on the surface are a completely original story, you can often kind of predict how things are going to play out. They have the same kind of emotional beats. It fits to a genre. I didn't feel that this movie was any... This film film still felt like something kind of fundamentally original and fresh and different from anything I've I've really seen in the last few years. And And it's so interesting because I felt the exact opposite, where I didn't feel this fresh anything i felt like i felt it was recycled and i felt it was a first time director not taking a risk when he could have done a i guess this was his passion project from everything that i've read but it didn't feel like it to me so it's interesting that you came out with a very different feeling um and again maybe there is a communal experience that i'm missing my the theater i was in wasn't very filled with people i went to see it by myself so maybe there was something uh, communally that i'm missing there but again i'm i'm i got kind of the opposite feeling you which is fine mm-hmm. movies could resonate with different people in different ways but i had such an opposite feeling where i still enjoyed myself but i just didn't think it was living up to its own hype but also this cultural phenomenon that seems to be just going through a Twitter feed and seeing how many people are like, this is the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've, I think I've seen but better movies this I, year. I would say if you're you're someone who doesn't cry at movies, you're not really the intended audience for the film. Oh, but I think that's... I think that's <laughs> yeah, so how do you feel cheap. about that argument of like, oh, are you the intended audience or not? And if you, you're not, if you feel <laughs> I'm not the intended audience for this, sort of cut in a film, but a slack. I... Uh, I feel like I'm always the intended audience for film, though, because I'm a film <laughs> fan who, wa- when I go to see A Star is Born, when I go to see Mamma Mia 2, when I go to see um, The Avengers, and when I go to see Moonlight, I have the same expectation. I want it to be the best version of itself it can be, but I understand that they're different. I understand what I see in Move- Moonlight will, its best version of itself is completely different than what I'll see in Mamma Mia, but I can enjoy both. But they have to live up to that. And I feel like this wasn't the best version of this movie that there are four of them of. And that's that's where I was coming out of it. So I don't know. I feel like I am. Yes, the emotional side of it. I'm probably not the intended person because they want you to to go into the emotion of this movie. But don't you think that's a little bit like saying, well, you know, if if you get scared then you'll get scared of this horror movie and you'll love it. It doesn't really matter what we put there. We can we can put a picture of yourself and so long as it scares you. Like so long as it's a jump scare. Like I feel like it's a little cheap. Like I feel like you want to you want to give the movie and the filmmakers more credit to develop a strong character, have you care about them. And I can care about someone in the emotional context. Like the first half of the movie I agree with you. I was with it in a lot of ways, but then I started to kind of lose little bits here and there. And I still liked what Lady Gaga did. I still believed in Bradley Coop's character, but there's just so much in there that took me out of the movie that I was like, oh, that could have been better. That could have been better. They could have done this. Like, why are they doing Like, just because I've seen better versions, even in other films, of them doing similar things. So I guess that's, I don't know. Now I'm just rambling about this movie, but <laughs> that's kind of how I, I kind of hmm. feel about it is, is there's still a frustration of like, I want this to be a really good movie. I, I, I want to love this movie, but it just didn't hit for me in a lot of those areas. But I, I mean, it sounds like it did for you, which is great. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess that's, it's going to hit for some people. It's going to miss for some. You say, see it. I say, stream <laughs> it. We'll leave it at that. Okay. Um, okay. So Fahrenheit 11.9 is the last movie uh, that we're going to talk about. And that's Michael Moore's uh, next film documentary. Uh, what did you, what did you think about it? <laughs> So I mean, it's a very different movie from A Star is oh, Born. Yes. But at the same time, it is a movie that's very much about being taken for an emotional yeah, ride. Definitely. And um, 
Yeah, I, well, like is sort of a funny word to to use with this movie. That's you know, <laughs> you know, sort of about, you know dealing with extremely real issues and you know political, you know, your sense, you know, really outraging your sense of justice. Yeah, and yeah, definitely. It's very polit- you know, this political essay film, but it really. It really, you know, takes you for a ride. And I was on board for the ride through through most of it. Although I was, you know, I got so angry at one point. My, like, skin kind of hurt. Really? Like, it actually felt like a little bit burny. I'm mm. like, oh, my skin feels weird. This movie's getting me so incensed. And the thought did cross my mind. Like, why am I just sitting here watching this movie? I should be going out and doing something with my life. <laughs> and apparently at the screening room on opening night, we did have somebody walk out of the film for just that reason. Because it was too intense. The movie made them too angry wow. and not because not like they were angry at the movie the movie made them angry and it was i gotta walk out and not just let this movie make me angry i gotta go do something so um yeah and, and you know michael moore he's very um you know he's very good at what he does mm-hmm. and he's really funny particularly in the first part of the film i was like he's so funny and he has an excellent sense of you know what's boring and what's not boring and uh yeah, I thought it was really, I found it really quite powerful while I was watching it. But it was funny. It reminded me the experience of watching it. Like, well, I, well watching it, well, it did It did make me really kind of rethink how I live my life and my priorities. And how am I, how am I paying attention to the news? Like, why am mm. I sometimes not, you know, with everything I mean, to do with the, the, the water crisis in yeah. Flint? Like, I remember hearing a bit about that at the time. But to actually just be told a bit more about it in a film, all of a sudden I'm like, this is this is messed up. This is important. Why was I not? This is something I should actually yeah. think about and care about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't think that before. So it, it's a movie that really kind of made me think about how am I really paying attention to things in the world? Um, and yeah, it really got me all worked up. And I thought I, while the movie was playing, I thought I would come out of the movie a slightly changed person. I felt the same way with, with the Mr. Rogers documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor? <laughs> Watching the film, I was so on board with that film. Yeah. I was like, this movie makes me want to be a kinder, more attentive person. But unfortunately, you know, the power of film only goes so far. Yeah, you know, sure. 15 minutes later, you just kind of back to your old ways and yeah. habits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and it's interesting because I think Michael Moore is... First and foremost, a brilliant filmmaker. And I want, I think that's really important for people to know going into this because there's a lot of facts that are thrown into this Mm -hmm. movie. He does a very good job of putting emphasis on them, but he does use music and editing to make you feel a certain way. So it's still manipulative in a way. Mm -hmm. It's still making you, (laughs) this is the way, you know, I want you to think. So I can't, you can't take everything that's said in here verbatim, Mm -hmm. but what he is so good at doing is bringing forth facts and and cutting through the media and cutting through politics and getting down to explaining things in a way that's very clear and he does mm-hmm. a fantastic job of doing that i thought and i thought the way he weaved from from how trump this the movie starts with how did we get here with trump winning the election going through the flint crisis talking about school shootings in the u.s like it weaves all that together so well mm-hmm. and connects everything so well he he's such you know, I, he does such a great job of that that I, yeah, I, I felt the same way. I was also on an emotional roller coaster where I'm feel, I'm laughing at some points because he does bring a lot of humor to this. Mm-hmm. It's very funny. Um, 
I really loved like this movie. I thought it was great. I, I really enjoyed um, listening to everything and the facts that were coming through and the way he put it together. I thought it was a fantastic film. Um, I will say there were a few areas I want to know more about, and I wish he had touched mm-hmm. upon a little bit more, which is probably good. That's probably yep. what you wanted of the film. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought it was a fantastic job, one one of his best. So I'm I'm going to give it a see it rating. Yeah, I'd say see it. Wonderful. Maybe fact check it afterwards. Fast, yeah, see it, fact check it. <laughs> so unfortunately, we are out of time, um, and that means uh, no, uh, not a great plan this week. We will shift what we were going to talk about next week for me and Taylor. We'll take that on for next week's show. So unfortunately, we didn't have time, but I thought we should keep to talking about A Star is Born. Um, I know I'll get in some trouble for all my comments about it, but what I will promise everyone listening is I will go see it again with a group of people and see, give the film a second chance see how I feel with it um, and maybe maybe I'll feel differently maybe you just need to see it post uh, breakup yeah maybe I'll just wait yeah I'll just wait until I'm post breakup experience, experience a painful <laughs> yeah. loss in your next, life exactly next time I go it. through a breakup I'll go see a star is born and then we'll, we'll, we'll give a review so I promise I can do that um, uh, thank you so much for listening this has been screening in Kingston